My message today is entitled Repositioning. A photographer taking a group of a group picture repositions subjects in the future. Maybe some of you play that role. Can you stand here? No, no, you're not smiling. Make the kids turn this way in those fun group picture events. As you flop into your bed before you fall asleep at night, you may reposition yourself several times before you doze off, often like your dog does and goes in a circle chasing his tail for ten times. But we reposition ourselves. That's, that's part of what we do. You reposition items on your desk or the furniture in your house, the tools in your garage. Why do we do that? It's to facilitate the use of the items, to place them within reach and to bring balance and order. Repositioning is a way of life for all of us. So I ask you then, why are we so surprised when God chooses to reposition his body to make full use of it? Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. We must remember that it is God who works all things together for his good. For he alone is the only one that has the perfect plan and the only one that has the complete perspective. Sometimes we judge it because we don't see how it's going to work out, but God has the perfect plan. From his perspective and from his perfect timeline, which we judge because we don't always have the answers, but from his perspective and timeline, he often brings a plan into play that makes perfect sense to him, even though it often bewilders those who follow him. Do you know what I'm talking about? Therefore, we must choose to follow him long before we come to the surprising parts in our life. We must make the declaration that we talked about today, I'm going to choose to follow you, God. It's not going to be, I'm going to wait till there's a turn in the road, then I'm going to say, should I follow you or not? That's why we talk about commitment. I'm going to commit to follow you wherever you lead, because if I don't make the commitment ahead of time, when it gets to something I don't understand or don't like, I might choose to back off. And so God, because he is the perfect plan and timeline, we commit to following him as he repositions us in life. Otherwise, we resist God's plan of putting us where he needs us to fulfill his will. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 4. You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. The Bible is full of keys and nuggets of truth that become our only way to fulfill our calling as one of God's chosen ones. In 2 Timothy, we're told that the only way to endure all the, the life and the trials and the challenges of life, the only way that we can endure is to approach hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. It's not easy to go through trials, amen? They're not fun. You don't always, you don't always like them. But God says that you be, must be willing to commit it as a good soldier. But let me tell you what that means. I don't want us to use our human definitions to define what God's word means. Let's see what the Bible talks about. 
Listen, a, a good soldier does not automatically obey his commander. When a soldier enlists, he doesn't say, I will, I'm going to obey everything. Because when fear hits, he could easily run. Obedience is forged on the rock of hardship during what is known as basic training. It's not just where you acquire skills, it's where you're acquired to listen to your master that's leading you through difficult times. During basic training, enlisted soldiers learn to respect the authority of their leader. They learn not to question his commands, especially when it makes no sense to them. Soldiers come to understand that they are putting their lives into the hands of their commander, and so obedience is of utmost importance if they expect to get through the battle alive. It is through basic training that a good soldier takes the time to learn and to know his master's voice. John 10, verse 2, Jesus uses this comparison. He says, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Verse 3, to him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. Verse 4, and when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. Why do the sheep follow the shepherd? Because they know their master's voice. And they trust him to protect them. Why do good soldiers follow their commander? Because they've taken the time to know his voice to the point where obedience is a practice regimen. It's not an individual choice each time to obey. I practiced, I trusted, I know the voice of my master, and when he leads me, I'm going to follow him without stopping to question. That's where many people get in trouble. They don't know the word, they've not spent time to know his voice, and so they stop instead of following their commander through the battle. Obedience is a practice regimen to respond to a command. Why do we think that it's any different for us? We are called to spend time in the Word and in prayer and in learning and knowing our Master's voice. And He speaks differently to all of us because He knows how we need to listen and hear and learn. So that when He makes a move, we all instinctively will make the move with Him. If we have not taken time to know His voice, then we invite the enemy into our camp. For a soldier, the enemy is his own logic. Remember, logic is based solely on the perspective that is available to us. Because of our limited perspective, it can be a life or death situation if we lean on our logic. For then, we ignore our master's voice and follow our own logic. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. You know this verse. I think it's probably one of the most quoted verses in the Bible. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. This often quoted scripture hits this message at its core. We must trust the Lord with our heart more than with our head. And the way that we acknowledge Him is by getting to know His voice, to acknowledge that He is all around, and acknowledge that He is speaking to us and leading us and guiding us. We must trust the Lord so that when He says move, 
We've already committed to it, so we move immediately. Our commander-in-chief, God our Father in heaven, has a perspective that we do not have. Amen? Therefore, we must trust Him in stress and in danger and in confusion. We must trust Him during times of change as well. Three years ago, God brought Nancy and I to this church as he repositioned us. He brought, he brought a lot of change in our lives so he could bring us up here to pastor this church. And we also realized that many of you were repositioned during retirement or other reasons in your life that you move into this area. And while you may have believed it was for various purposes for work or for pleasure or for family reasons, understand that God repositioned you God orchestrated these moves by bringing you here for such a time as this. It's all a necessary part of God's plan to reposition the body so it can best be at his disposal to accomplish his perfect will. Do you remember when God was repositioning Jesus here on the earth? Let me share it with you. Luke 22, verse 41. And Jesus was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed. Verse 42, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Verse 43, then an angel appeared to him from heaven and strengthened him. You see, it was a change. this change was a change in direction by design. It wasn't because of failure. It was by design because the flesh of Jesus, remember Jesus was man and God, which we have flesh. The flesh does not always want to go through trials, but by design, let your will be done, God changed the direction so that Jesus would go through the cross. No matter what his flesh was telling him, no matter how he was tempted, he would pursue the cross. Jesus voiced his feelings, but he submitted to God's will. Repositioning is one of God's greatest weapons if we follow His commands and not simply follow our comfort or our feelings. In hospitals, nurses are trained to reposition a patient in bed every couple of hours to help keep blood flowing and, uh, so that there's no sores as, uh, all over the skin that cover the body. It keeps our skin healthy. Likewise, the only way for God to do a total work on us is for us to submit to his repositioning without wasting too much time questioning his authority or reposition us. Now, sometimes God changes our location like he did to us to bring us up here. changed a lot of things in our life. Sometimes he changes our responsibilities. Sometimes he changes our focus or changes our direction. Sometimes everyone around us and everything changes and we're stuck standing still. Never happened to you? You think, what am I doing wrong? God is just orchestrating his plan. God is constantly repositioning his body to accomplish his will because he works for his good. All things work together for his good. Our job is to trust him in the process. Philippians 1.6 we should be confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. 
We can't expect God to complete the work that he began in us if we're not willing to submit to his authority and follow his voice implicitly. Because of God's unique perspective and his infinite wisdom, he uses all things working together for good to reposition his people in order to achieve his mission on this earth. Now, most of the things that we don't understand about what God is doing or what he's allowing to happen are simply the result that God is repositioning us in our jobs or in our locations or with, or with different people groups. We don't understand because God is saying, trust me, I'm going to reposition you to accomplish my will. You're not doing anything wrong. Submit to me and know my voice and follow me so we can accomplish his will. In life, we may go through a complete catastrophe that God will allow so that we may be repositioned. If we get too caught up in wondering why God didn't answer our prayers, we must be brought back to the book of Romans, chapter 8. Let's say it again. We know all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. God is working all temporary things, good and bad, for his eternal good, for those who are called according to his purpose. When we don't understand, it's often because we've been focusing too much on our purpose instead of God's purpose. How do we find God's purpose? It's in the Word of God. When there's a need somewhere in the body that we may not even be aware of, it's God's responsibility to reposition us to bring healing to the whole body, not just one part. As we grow in our relationship with God and learn to trust Him more, we come to the understanding that we, should not, we have to just learn to accept His repositioning without arguing and fighting every step of the way. We should, not only should we accept it, we should also expect it. In fact, if you examine God's very first command, you will see why repositioning is not just a difficult experience that happens to some, but rather it's an absolute necessity that's centered on God's will and his first command to mankind. Immediately after the worldwide flood recorded in Genesis, God made it very clear to Noah and his family what they were to do. In fact, he stated it three times. It must be important. Genesis 8, verse 17. Bring out with you every living thing of all flesh that is with you, birds and cattle and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, so that they may abound on the earth. Here's the command. And be fruitful and multiply on the earth. Genesis 9.1, he repeats it. So God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Verse 7. And as for you, be fruitful and multiply, bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply in it. Listen, it was a reminder of God's first command to the first man and woman. Genesis 1.28. Then God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Sounds like a simple enough command to follow, doesn't it? Well, being fruitful and increasing in number meant to have lots of kids and grandchildren. Praise God. 
but filling the earth meant that some would have to move away to new parts of the world and maybe never see them again on the side of heaven. That was part of his command. God was telling them, in other words, he was telling them to scatter. You got the goods in you, now scatter and share. In Genesis 11, we see how they did in carrying out God's command. Genesis 11.1, 1, I'm going to take you through the story and understand the context was that what they first were doing is they were not following the command to fill the earth. Genesis chapter 11, I'll go through these verses. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language, and this is what they begin to do. Now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. God speaks, Come, let us go down and confuse their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore its name is called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from the, there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. Okay? We know that story. Now let me show you a story that connects to it in the New Testament. Let's fast forward a thousand years to Jerusalem. After Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection, immediately before he ascended into heaven, he told his disciples this. Acts 1.7, he said to them, It's not for you to know the times of the seasons which the Father has put into his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. You see, people had put their foot down again. and They said, we're not going to scatter. We're going to stay in fear. We're going to hold up in homes. And God said, I'm going to scatter you because I'm going to give you power and I'm going to give you a message. I'm going to give a reason to scatter is to share my name in all the earth. God was about to scatter them for a very different reason, to get the good news out. Thank God people scattered so that we came to know that the knowledge of Jesus Christ ourselves. Ten days later, God sent the Holy Spirit onto a bunch of Galilean disciples who spoke one language. Remember, Jesus said because they spoke one, there's nothing they couldn't do. So they all spoke one language, these Galileans, but God was about to do something different to scatter them. Instead of confusing their language, he gave them the supernatural ability to speak the various languages of the Jews who had gathered in Jerusalem from many parts of the world to worship God. In Acts, we find them being fruitful, multiplying, and increasing in number. Why? Because they went back to fulfilling God's command to be fruitful and multiply into the earth. Acts 6, 1 and 7. Now in those days when the number of disciples was multiplying, there they are, fulfilling God's command. Then the word of God spread and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of priests were obedient to the faith. Now, they started to spread, but we don't see them to be witnesses yet 
outside of Jerusalem. In Acts 8, it says, Acts 8, verse 1, Saul was consenting to the death of Stephen. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. It wasn't fear that scared them. It was God that scared them. So he, what I'm saying is God allows things into our lives that cause us to be repositioned, not so that we can run and hide, but that we can share Jesus. Well, it's like us moving us up here and moving someone else or changing responsibilities or having some things happen in life to put you in front of a different group of people so God can reposition you. We all like to gather to reap the harvest. We celebrate when our church body grows as it did today with Alicia and Teresa up here. But before the end time harvest, there must be a scattering or a repositioning to accomplish God's plan across the earth. Some of you, God has repositioned and you have winter homes. Unlike those of us that tough out the rough, rough winter here and think of you often when you're in your nice places. <laughs> But that's, but that's God's will, right? God scatters and repositions to accomplish His perfect plan in the earth. We'd much, we'd much rather gather than scatter. We'd much rather reap than sow. We'd much rather gather by welcoming members to our church than to scatter by commissioning members to go into new places to spread God's word. But without that, there are people in this world that don't know Jesus. So God has a plan in place, and sometimes he calls us to stay here, praise God. But sometimes he says, I have a new mission for you. Will, be, will you be obedient to go? And whether or not it ever happens to you, our, our choice of being has to be, God, I trust you. If that ever call were to come, I'm going. No, I'm not going anywhere. I don't want you to think that. But God repositions us into different circle groups, into different people, so that we are continue to fulfill his mission. In gathering, there's a temptation to make a name for ourselves like they did at Babel. It's not about our church or what we're doing. It's about the body of Christ. Scattering makes a name for the Lord. We said before, yes, we welcome new members into our church, but it's about the body of Christ, which knows no walls, which knows no denominational lines. We scatter as a body wherever God would call us. Gathering brings security. Scattering relies entirely on faith. There will be both scattering and gathering, but the act of scattering is an act of faith and obedience that makes certain that our heart is right when the harvest time comes. Listen, some are scattered or repositioned onto the mission field all over the earth. You may have a call in your heart that God's saying, I want, I, I, I'd like you to go into missions. I don't know. Some are repositioned to new locations to reach new people for Christ. Praise God for that. Some are repositioned to be in one location for part of the year and another location for a different part of the year. That's awesome. And sometimes God will even allow you to experience conflict with people 
so that he can use you to demonstrate humility and compassion and understanding and forgiveness to those who need to rediscover who God is to them. I'm not going to get into any details at all, but I had a very, very, very difficult week. A lot of attacks that came against me this week. And God used me to be a light to someone I never would have come in contact with. So I could demonstrate humility and compassion and understanding and forgiveness. And it, I will tell you what, it shined a light into someone's life that would never have thought of that unless God had used me to do that. And so God may reposition you at different times in your life in different circles of people. And if you're willing to follow him and to give him the praise, God can bless the whole kingdom, can advance. God does whatever he has to do to reach all those who are willing to receive his love and to become part of his family, our gracious and glorious family of God. Shouldn't our earnest prayer be that God would continue to reposition us wherever he sees fit, at work, within our neighborhood, with our group, with our family, wherever he would call us if need be, But shouldn't it be our prayer to say, God, you are my commander-in-chief. I trust you, even though it might not always make sense to me. Your word says that in all things you work together for good, for your good, to those who are called. So, Lord God, let us all be willing for all the things that you allow in our lives that we would continue to give you glory and honor so that the whole world would know about the Lord. In fact, what I'm saying is, is God is saying to those who follow him, are you willing to surrender your will, surrender your logic, surrender your security so that God can reposition you where he needs to so that the earth may know of Jesus Christ. Lord God, we surrender to you, to your will. We acknowledge that we won't always understand or even like the things that we're going through, God, but we commit this day to follow you as our commander-in-chief, to fight that good fight of faith. Keep our hearts right before you. Let us not be judgmental. Let us be willing to forgive. Let us be willing to acknowledge where we have messed up. But let us continue to pursue you that the world may know. Lord God, we come back to that time in the garden be fruitful and to multiply, to share your grace across this earth, wherever you reposition us, knowing that we are still a body of Christ in all, by your grace in the blood of Jesus. We thank you to bless us all as your church across denominational lines advances your message of truth and healing into all the world. In Jesus' name we pray.